What's up everyone? Welcome back to Off The Chain, the backbone for storytelling across builders, creators, and collectors within Web3. Each episode, we dive into how these technologists use the power of blockchain to build businesses and foster creativity. Today, we've got Jeff Kaufman. Jeff is a marketing exec who has built global advertising strategies for some of the biggest brands in the world. Since diving into Web3 full-time, Jeff has founded Parachute, which is building an incredible community and investing in Web3 solutions for the next generation of marketers and advertisers. During this chat, we'll dive into how Jeff has built his community at Parachute, his vision for how marketers should be using blockchain tech, what brands will need to focus on to meet these visions, and much more. Jeff, what's going on, man? Thank you for being here. Absolutely excited to be here. It's a good day. It's a Tuesday. I'm ready to rock. I love it, man. You got your podcast voice ready to go. Let's do this. Super excited. Check one, two. Whiskey beer. Whiskey one, two, one, two. Okay, Jeff, we've done some intros. I know you've done a few podcasts, but let's make sure people know who we've got here. Give us an intro on your background and of course, a high level on jump and parachute. Who's it for and what you're looking to accomplish? Absolutely. So the, the, the high level one-two punch on me is I spent 15 years in the agency world. So enterprise agency brands doing leading, <clears throat> excuse me, digital and social strategies, just kind of always looking for the next frontier of technology and culture and building a brand um, in those spaces. Um, community has also been at the heart of just like my personally, what I like and what I enjoy. Um, and the internet has always brought this like next level community aspect that has always been exciting to me. Although I do love URL, I also love IRL as well. So connecting the two is a, is a big deal, but that's the high level. Um, jump and parachute, probably the number one thing you need to know first is uh, I was a skydiver for a very long time. I made 1800 skydives. So you kind of get this vibe of parachute and jump. Um, MySpace was actually where I got started creating a MySpace page for Skydive Dallas and marketing them. Uh, so this is early days of social media manager type content marketing community building for the world of skydiving. So I did that. The whole time uh, I was in the agency world as sort of a passion and a side project. Fast forward 2019, 2020, really getting the itch to find something new and exciting. Web2 social just felt like the most boring thing in the world. Honestly, I was like, wake up every morning. I can't do another carousel ad. I can't do another Facebook ad. <laughs> like, like there was no creativity in the space. So I started looking really hard came across social tokens and NFTs uh, late 2019, early 2020. And that kind of just kicked off this wild journey. Um, I started Parachute under one sim simple premise. I wanted to leave the agency I was at. I'd built a very nice P&L. So a business within a business is a $30 million P&L inside of a billion dollar agency is very nice life, but I wanted to leave and I wanted to go in the world of web three. I needed a Parachute. So I called the company I was creating Parachute, even though I had, you know, no specific product that I was creating. And voila, uh, that, that's where we are today. Parachute's first exploration and effort was to create the Jump community, which is a home for marketing and advertising professionals. I love that. And 
you know, I was listening to one of your podcasts and you had mentioned from like 2015 to 2020, and of course it's still going on now, so much of social marketing really actually just turned into ad tech where you were just optimizing yeah. against paid and obviously you were testing creative, but it's almost like creative takes a little bit of a backseat to how much can you pay to reach the maximum amount of people as possible or depending on what your goals are, optimizing towards a click-through rate or something that's more bottom of the funnel instead of really what social started off, which was more of an awareness play. Yeah, exactly. So one of the things I feel like I, I've been blessed with in terms of just a keen eye for is economic business sort of strategies and what's going to you know, what business model is going to attach itself to some sort of new thing. When I saw social emerging early on, I was on the community side. I was building community across MySpace, across Facebook groups, but it became very apparent that the business model was going to be advertising. Um, so I focused my career on that. And um, it was exciting at the beginning it was this unbelievable broadcast machine to reach a billion people for a fraction of the cost and drive a ton of value. However, the line I like to use is it became a race to the bottom. It became a race to the bottom in a lot of ways because Facebook and these big ad tech machines gather all of this data. They didn't build lookalike models off of the data uh, from your website and your targeting. And they say they're not using your data, that your competitors aren't getting access to your data. What, how do you think the lookalike models are built? Uh, lookalike models are take a customer segment, um, analyze them, profile them, and then reach a million people like those, like that uh, target segment. That's a lookalike model. So really it just became a race to the bottom because everybody's using the same data. And then, but Facebook likes this because that drives bid prices up, that drives ad revenue up, that increases their bottom line. Um, and it's just sort of a, a, it's just a backwards model in terms of like really providing value. The last point on this is web two and the internet at large, the number one business model of the internet is advertising. And that's not good. Now I think advertising can have its place. And I think there's a good, you know, advertising can be good. Supporting content through advertising is good. But when you look at the internet, 70% of GDP, 70% of revenue is ad related. Compare that to the real world. And if you look at the global economy, US or just the US economy, advertising has always been for the last 70, 80 years, two to 3% of GDP. So in the real world, you have two to 3% and the internet world, you have 70% that doesn't make for a good experience. And that's why we have this feeling of internet rage, social rage and all this stuff, because really the internet has the wrong business model. So interesting. And that leads us to chatting about communities. And so social tokens you found out about in September of 2019, and you said to yourself, yeah. this is me this is the future. Can you tell me about that time and why it was so profound for you? Yeah, I mean, the one thing, you know, we kind of hit on was I was bored as hell in the current social landscape. Honestly, I was like, I was thinking I might even just leave advertising altogether because I just didn't see any creativity across the space. 
Um, I'd been following crypto and Web3 for a long time. Fun fact, first time I came across Bitcoin, I thought it was the biggest scheme in the world. Um, took me about four years uh, until 2017 to convince myself it wasn't. And by the top of the bubble in 2017, write it all the way down, but still believe in the whole thing because the community, I was just fast. I've always been fascinated by subcultures and subcultures are just this, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, action sports or music or technology, subcultures are fascinating and the community aspect is, is there too. So when I saw social tokens and kind of thinking about the space, I was like, holy cow, this is a thing. This is a holy cow. <laughs> this is a this is a digital item that millions of people can own. It's kind of like how you, millions of people can own Bitcoin, but there's a different utility to it. There's a different framing on it. There's a different way to think about it. It's thinking of it as a social graph and not just this monetary speculative thing, right? And if you remove all of the speculation uh, away from the concept of a social token and you just look at it as a, as a social graph, you now have a group of people that share a thing, they're linked together on chain, and they can move around the internet together seamlessly into new experiences. And that's a big deal because when you think about creators and then when I think about brands, which are enterprise versions of creators. Um, they're incredible at creating experiences, building community, gathering people uh, around their, their brand. But when it comes to the digital world, there's nowhere to go. And you're all locked into one place. It's almost impossible to take a million people from a Reddit group into a Facebook group. You just can't do so it. So let's, let's even double down on that. Let me ask you a skeptical question right now. How do tokens organize people on the internet that an email list can't? Mm, that's a good question. An email list is, and I got the perfect answer. Let's, that's why this. I brought you on, dude. Let's go. Yeah. An email list is not multiplayer. That's why. Break that down right now. So I we have an email list for the jump community. I can blast an email to everybody else, everybody on that list. They can email me back, right? So it's a one, it's a one to many conversation in my direction to the email list. And then it's a one to one direction from someone responding back to me. Nobody on the list can respond to each other. Now, if I CC'd everybody on the list, but that would not be fun. Um, you know, so there's a light version of many to many there, uh, but it's not a good experience. Um, flip that over into discord, for example. So everybody in the jump community, you've got to hold this guy club NFT. Um, we fundamentally want to experience experiment with web three. So as we all hold this NFT and we unlock discord and there's all these channels to interact and you can just search and find people and find conversations and ask questions and jump in. Now we have a multiplayer scenario. It's many to many. And that is in the more uh, platforms um, or portals, maybe that we might call them, the more portals that create toolkits for many to many experiences, um, those uh, tokenized community 
for those tokenized communities that we can go into and travel into together, the more this multiplayer like experience is going to exist. And really that's real world just on sort of communication steroids. Yeah. And the portability makes so much sense. And I think something to double tap on there is the idea that we're all playing on the same tech rails. So yeah. if we're playing on the same tech rails, we can jump into these different ecosystems way more seamlessly than let's just say the email list. So for example, and we were talking about this earlier, if let's say you are Starbucks and you want to be able to, and we'll talk about them even more a little later, if you want to be able to offer your community discount codes or whatever, and they want to be able to seamlessly track it and you want to be able to get your client or your community easily accessible to them, you have the blockchain rails to be able to play on. And I think that's one of the biggest things. And transparently, I don't think we're seeing a whole ton of this quite yet. And that's why I do ask the question, like, why can't an email list just do this? And I think the reality is the use cases are somewhat narrow at this moment. But once we start to realize that the entire world is going to be playing on the same tech stack, that is a massive opportunity for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, right now the, the place we're in is sort of this, um, we're building the data layer, right? Like we're the jump community is just one community that's building a social graph. But the reality is there's going to be a lot of communities that launch tokens and a lot that build social graphs. And the more and more tooling we are, the more exponential this is going to go. And before you know it, yeah, we're all in the same roles. We're basically on Ethereum and side chains, and there's going to be plenty of interoperability. And the everyday person will not necessarily know which chain they're on. Um, they'll just kind of be sort of porting themselves around uh, around the internet. And you know, when you think of like really disruptive technology or platforms, which I think Ethereum is, the new thing often takes entirely old industries and turns them into a feature of the of the new thing so what's a good example of that amazon what did amazon do to the entire shipping category it turned it into a feature of prime it took an in three an entire tens of billion dollar multi-cap companies and industry and it said oh you're just a feature of prime oh it took the cable industry and it said ah here, you're just a feature of Prime. That's when you know something super revolutionary. I think the idea of social media, it's just a feature of Ethereum, right? And the tokens are the social graph. And what we're getting towards is the actual experiential UX layer. Um, and it's just taking a long time to build because it's literally rebuilding the way we think about the internet from scratch. I love that. You know, just to wrap that all up, I heard you once say that instead of communities on platforms, communities are the platform. And that's where this whole yep. portability concept comes into play. So thank you for really breaking that down. I want to get your thinking cap on for a second. And I want to shift over to brands and platforms utilizing blockchain technology. If you are Instagram, how would you further introduce marketers to blockchain tech and what tools would you build? 
this is a good question. You know, I, I, I do think early on there was in, in the social token and NFT space, there was a lot of conversation about Instagram killers and Facebook killers and whatever. I actually think the Web 2 platforms are going to be really good in the Web 3 era. I think they're actually going to thrive in a lot of ways, but they have to become the portal layer, the view layer to the blockchain and the social graph. And that opens up a bunch, that actually is, creates more opportunity from them. It looks kind of scary at first because existing revenue generating products don't work in the new sort of environment. So you have to migrate your business model and your revenue generating products into that new world. And in some cases, they might actually have to kill the old business model. But that's actually going to be good for Facebook and Instagram if they do it right. I'm just I, I hope they don't try to extract too much value out of the community. What I would encourage them to do is they need to go back to their roots in a lot of ways. OK, so you say, what should they build and think completely new, fresh and new? It's really like, no, where did social start? Social started very multiplayer, very community based. And really what did what happened with social is it kind of became a glorified email feed of one of a one to many broadcast model. Um, you don't you see a little multiplayer in like the comment section of Instagram or Facebook, but for the most part that the experience just isn't designed around that. And so the biggest thing that I would encourage you know, Instagram to do is to go back to their roots and create purely from like first principles, multiplayer toolkits, right? Not here's a post and I'm going to broadcast it to the network, right? That is a fundamentally different starting point. They basically monetized an email feed, made it, made it fancy and built their ad model around it and closed it all off and made a ton of money from it. So they need to go multiplayer. And so Discord was going to start bringing more blockchain tech into their platform. Their existing gaming user base totally freaked out and said, piss off. We don't want this. Your prediction yeah. in the next 12 months, does Facebook add token gating groups to their platform? Absolutely. And, and I'd like to touch on your comment about Discord right there. The reason they failed at that was uh, terrible comps, terrible And, and it's, the, it's the same thing with the gaming community. Like if you look at the tier A gaming platforms that are out there, they came out one day with the press release saying, we're introducing NFTs tomorrow. And everyone's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, like yeah, warm me up a little exactly. bit before you come out of the gate so hot. Exactly. And this is just it. I mean, Discord is a powerful tech platform led by like tech builders. They need to really invest in the marketing and communication and PR side of the equation. What a lot of people, what a lot of tech people make the mistake on is when they think of marketing, they only think of one thing, which is the promotional aspect of marketing versus the communication, the storytelling, the all these other things, the promotion aspect of marketing is just one tiny little sliver. So that you have the Discord, the CEO of Discord showing a screenshot of connect your wallet. It's it, like, who do you think follows him primarily? It's not NFT and crypto enthusiasts. So he totally posted something 
to the wrong audience in the wrong way. It was just terrible communication. Now they've got to backtrack and figure out how to like revamp the engine and tell that story. So they made a huge mistake that's probably costing them billions of dollars and they don't even know it. Uh, Facebook, on the other hand, you know, one thing I will give Facebook a ton of credit for is incredible communication, incredible PR, incredible positioning um, to the fact that they can lie to a lot of people's faces and get away with it. That's how good they are at it. Yeah. You know, when they, they pulled the biggest rug pull in internet history when they said, Hey, build your community, build all these Facebook pages, free reach, you know, cut out the middleman, all this stuff. And then they rug pulled everyone and became the middleman. But you know, what helped is they made it really cheap at first. So it was like, Oh, I'm getting a good deal. And then they slowly drain you over time. It's like cooking, it's like cooking a frog in cold water and slowly turning up the heat. Facebook knows how to do that. Meta knows how to do that better than anybody. I'm not suggesting that's, you know, good comm strategy and whatnot, or that you want to do that. It's actually, it it is good comm strategy. It's just like not the most ethical thing to do. Yeah. But Facebook and Instagram have partnered with Flow, Solana, Polygram, Polygon. They have said that they want to empower creators. They have said that they want creators to own their creations and all of that stuff. So in the next, I, and you can already start to connect your wallets or they're already rolling out the ability to connect your wallets and show your NFTs in a collectible section, change your profile picture so that you can prove that you own these NFTs. And proving that you own these digital assets is a really is sort of just a first step UX move. From there, they can start to build in all sort of token gated functionality where, you know, a creator can do a post and basically say it's only for, you know, the people that hold a certain token. Um, I would say, you know, it, it, it's, it's about to get real, real fast. I will say this, anybody that really wants to invest big dollars, I'm really talking to major brand CMOs with with this comment, give the terms and conditions a really good read. When you go read the terms and conditions for Instagram in their digital collectible section, you, now I'm not a lawyer, but I know how to read terms and I know what <laughs> I know what this stuff ultimately means, which is Facebook or Instagram says in their terms, um, they have the right to block any collectible on their platform. This can be good for, you know, nefarious reasons, right? But it can also serve their true business sense. Now they have a right. I'm not saying they don't have a right, but they also say in their terms that they can sort of ban any NFT created on their platform. They're gonna own the smart contracts. They're gonna build those smart contracts in a way that they can update those smart contracts. They're going to, I would just be very careful of creating Um, When you're getting stuff for free, knowing that Facebook can and will flip the switch and squeeze you just like they did to get you to create million follower people following or Facebook pages where there were millions of followers and then made you pay for advertising to reach those when they killed organic. You know what's also, and I want to shift a little bit, but on the world of Web2 and marketers is historically a customer database was one of the most important pieces of a brand 
and not wanting to give that away. Okay. Now let's fast forward where any NFT that is minted is on chain, which means that it's transparent and we can see every single user who holds an NFT of let's say Starbucks. Okay. So in a sense, Starbucks is almost opening up their entire customer pipeline by putting NFTs inside of people's wallets at scale. Why is that a smart move of them? And what does it say about the future of decentralization and how brands are sort of becoming more open versus these closed off walled gardens? Yeah, I do want to sort of highlight the the notion of historically customer databases have been like a big thing. That historically component is really only like 20 years old. Like customer databases didn't really exist until the last 15 to 20 years, 20 years. Um, And what brands had to do is they actually had to tell really good stories, create a ton of value. Um, But I look at things like this. Um, Do you know the story of how CVS decided to put their stores like where they decided to build stores? They just said, wherever Walgreens is going to build a store, we're going to build a store on the adjacent corner. Okay. Right. Um, If you look at my dad always, uh, (laughs) he he, he always said, what does La Quinta mean in Spanish? If you're familiar with La Quinta, the, the, the ends on the sides of highways, he said, oh, it means next to Denny's. Because a La Quinta is always next to a Denny's. And that's just funny because it's like, yeah, look at that's brand strategy. Two independent companies coming together to create value for each other. Hey, let's do right. There's probably a real estate developer somewhere mixed in there that helps, you know, marry that that scenario together. But when I look at the digital world and all of us holding tokens and being able to travel around the Internet together, um, I look at, there's actually a lot of physical real world examples of of that. Um, And I think it's incredibly powerful for a brand's customer base to be put on chain for other brands to see and build value off of. There's a big challenge though, a big hurdle, and that's a communication issue. How do you get these people's attention, right? Like if I'm Duncan, I can go, I can run a campaign and try to get you if you have a starbucks receipt if you're a customer of starbucks bring your receipt over to duncan get a free drink right they're like okay duncan already knows how to get to everybody's customer base um you can geo target every single starbucks and mobile ads and facebook ads and offer free like the data is kind of like already there and there's a lot of strategies that I think are already there, but communicating that is really hard. Why? Because Duncan can't say, Hey, Starbucks customers, you get this. They can't use Starbucks IP in their messaging. Um, so there, you have to, you have to get over the attention issue. You have to get over like the words that you're actually able to use to communicate those things. These are very, very hard challenges to get over. Um, and so it goes back to, you have to build a great product. You have to build that relationship and that communication pipeline over time. No one's just going to come and steal that out of your, 
out of you out from underneath you look at credit card companies and loyalty point program companies you basically know who can buy who can have which uh credit card or all kinds of products based off of zip code you know you can do household income net worth home value all of this data and identify an extremely high propensity of who like a customer segment can be and then you can direct mail them all day long and imagine you know back in the day when direct mail was actually a good thing still a huge problem and this is like you you just can't like offer someone something and know where the customer is and that means that they'll take the action this is a problem that a lot of technologists don't realize they think they've solved this incredibly new thing and they think they've created this incredible like way to like identify and target but you still have the communication issue the attention issue what words can you say what words can you not say what images can you use and not use and that is a whole world of brand strategy and product building that is very, very complex that goes far beyond just being able to identify a customer. That was great. Thank you for that. Let's move on to one of the last pieces, which is marketers. So, you know, you've built this incredible community of marketers at pretty much every Fortune 500 brand. Where is their interest in regards to blockchain tech now? from let's say in February of 22, where's their attention right now? Well, one thing I, I would say this space has aggressively moved past big token drops and trying to sell out of a token on day one. We specifically design, we're the first community to specifically design a token, uh, an NFT collection to not sell out on day one. And I kind of, you know, and this is me coming at the space from a brand builder and someone who understands just brand strategy and community building versus like a financial aspect of, hey, how do we rate, how do we sell out of this thing, raise as much money, make all of these promises and move on. So the market was super frothy for the last year and a half. Um, you know, there, there was a lot of money being thrown at this is a big speculative game. And since that's gone, I think we're three days in a row as of like this recording right now of OpenSea total volume being less than 10 million on a daily basis. That's down from like 400 million in a day, like back in May or June. So basically like the liquidity and the money that people are pouring into this space is just gone. So you can't do these massive token drops. So the focus in the space now is on actually hardcore community building and actually providing value, which is a really, really, really healthy thing because, you know, because the entire focus is like, you know, you can't just have this big token drop and make $50 million. You have to come at it from a different angle. Now you have to come at it from a, a true angle of value creation. We basically moved like... In 2017, you had the ICO bubble where anybody could launch a fungible token and raise hundreds of millions of dollars over the course of like an eight month period. And then that all went away. And then between 2017 and 2020, you got real teams building real products that build real value. And you get things like Uniswap and Compound and all of these DeFi protocols. So the attention has is now focused on building real value. Um, and utility around these NFTs. And, uh, you know, over the next two years, we're going to see some pretty special communities and projects emerge that have a new superpower 
um, in in this sort of token network and sort of this community that they've built that's going to give them a huge competitive advantage over anybody who who hasn't built any sort of community that's linked by a token. Yeah, and so that makes sense. And so if you're a marketer at a Fortune 500 company, your two biggest hurdles are and were finance and legal. And minting out wasn't really a hurdle a few months ago. Obviously, mm-hmm. they still have finance and legal as their top two hurdles. Is their third hurdle now actually having to put creative strategy together together to figure out what the hell they're building because they can't just mint 10,000 NFTs and necessarily sell out overnight like they could a few months ago? Yep. There's a massive institutional hurdle. There are brilliant people inside of these organizations that get it, that understand what to do. So we have to separate these brilliant sort of renegade forward thinking people from the institution themselves. The institution is like its own thing that's separate from the people. These institutions, it is incredibly hard for them to organize themselves in a way to actually enter this space. It's going to be incredibly hard. This is harder than going from traditional like media and comm strategies to to internet because i went through that and saw how hard it was and this is way harder Um, this is a completely new kind of fundamental structure now something that's easy though for brands to do which this is this would be my suggestion is go partner with tokenized communities right you don't have to fundamentally change your legal, financial. Yeah, you, you like, don't have to go on chain. It's a, cla- it's a collaboration. Exactly. And I think that's okay. I, I think it's, it's like you have to turn these ships slowly, but you can turn them around and you can get them going in the right direction. Um, and any brand that's built a strong just brand in general can thrive in this space. And the way to, to, to do it would be through partnerships. So one example of that, uh, you know, everybody can go look up the Deadfellas Wrangler partnership. And so you've got Wrangler partnering with Deadfellas. Deadfellas knows what to do. They're going to handle all the community management. They're going to do all of the work. Wrangler can just cut a check, right, and just sponsor it like they would do. And they can sign the same types of legal uh, sort of parameters. This is where tokenized communities do have to think through like, sort of like we can't just be a DAO that's on chain that has no legal entity. You do have to structure yourself and have some component of this operation that can work with meat space. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In this, in this collaboration use case, it's almost more difficult for the NFT community to understand the web two landscape yep. than it is for the web two people to understand the web three landscape in just a basic yep. collaboration. Exactly. Exactly. So there's a, so we need to also sort of put pressure on the tokenized communities to say like, Hey, listen, you know, there are ways for you to empower your communities and grow up and do a lot of cool stuff, but you have to like understand how to work with a large entity, which is very different than just working with an individual person. And the reality is a lot of these brands, these epic brands like Wrangler or any other brand, 
treat them like a community member, but they're a different type of community member. They have different types of resources and capabilities. They have huge followings themselves. They have lots of money. And to just come in and figure out how to work with that type of community member and understand that that's a community member profile that you have to design for. And they can be an incredibly valuable member of your community. Now, these uh, brands need to, the, the big thing that they need to understand is that they're not buying their way to like be the boss in the room and go and tell everybody what to do, right? They need to think more in terms of, hey, you know, I'm bringing a lot of stuff to the party, but I'm just here to party too. Um, and I'm here to, to sort of hang out. And because when you try to kind of force your hand over the community, you're just gonna, it's not gonna turn out great for anybody. Yeah. And so, Jeff, we've only got a few minutes left, and I want to make sure I give you a platform to talk about Jump. So Jump tweeted the other day, the future of agency work and brand building is coming. Sky, Sky Club holders are about to experience the power of collaboration unlocked by Web3. Stay tuned, crewmates. What does that mean? Cool. Let's do it. Let's just go ahead and, and throw the, the alpha out Let's there. Let's do it. Um, so we first have to say, because we all hold a token, we can do things that we couldn't do before. Um, and one of our community members uh, has built an amazing tool where if you hold the token, you can log into that tool and you can essentially create uh, sort of requests to collaborate. Hey, I'm looking for a designer. I'm looking for this, or I'm working on this project. I need to build out. You can basically, post any sort of need, you know, it, on a simple level, it's like, okay, it can be a job board, but on a much more complex level, it could be Netflix coming in and saying, Hey, I've got a huge problem to solve. Here's the issues. I'm looking for this type of thinking. If you hold a sky club NFT respond to me. And the thing is, with tools like this, you can make sure that that information is just fed to the Sky Club NFT holders, right? Now, of course, that information could make its way out into the world. So you do have to think about that. But really, the only people that are going to see it from the get go and be able to respond to it in a legitimate way, in a way that like where they'll actually get a response from Netflix is those Sky Club NFT holders. And so there's this way for anybody, anybody, whether you're inside of the community or outside of the community to access the talent and the creativity inside of the community in a completely just permissionless and decentralized way. And that's just one example uh, and like one portal. So now you see like, Right now we've token gated Discord and we're all sitting inside of Discord because we hold this token. But now you see us as a tribe of people on the internet who have a shared token being able to move together into this new tool uh, where these opportunities exist that are created both from outside of the community as well as inside of the community uh, to, to find ways to uh, collaborate. And you know, that's just going to create a whole new way of for brands and agencies to just kind of come together. And it's going to be awesome. That's so awesome. And this has been a great conversation. And I really want to commend you for really leading the charge and staying true to your roots on 
not only the community, but the education. And I think for a lot of people, when you get into this space, you are so excited about educating people on it for the first few months. And then you just get totally fucking burnt out. And you're like, I just want to move on to bigger and other things. Well, not, not bigger things, other things. And so just want to praise you and the jump community for helping to onboard this next wave of marketers within the web three ecosystem. And I just want to personally thank you for joining the podcast today. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thanks for having me. This is a blast. We'll need to do it again. Awesome. Thanks, Jeff. Talk to you soon. That's it, everyone. Hope you enjoyed. Hit that subscribe button and we'll see you next time.